This morning's scripture reading comes from Acts chapter 17, verses 10 through 12. That's Acts 17, verses 10 through 12. If you'd like to follow, follow along in the Pew Bible, the verses can be found on page 984. Then the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. When they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. These were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. Therefore, many of them believed, and also not a few of the Greeks, prominent women as well as men. Good morning. What a wonderful morning. Good to see a good crowd here this morning. If you're visiting with us, don't panic. You'll have a better speaker tonight and next week. But I'm filling in this week as we do every year on Bible Class Emphasis Day. And I'm so happy to celebrate this day. I've heard a lot about some of the classes are doing some service projects either today or this month. Uh, there's several retreats scheduled. Uh, our class is going camping next weekend as a class. I know that there's a marriage retreat for the Faith Builders class in a couple of weeks and very excited about that. I know not everybody's going to do something maybe today in particular, but we know that this week you're going to do that. I encourage you, if you're not attending adult Bible class, get a list out there and find a class that fits you. There's a new class starting this morning down at the lower level. Uh, that's an all adults class. It doesn't matter what demographic you fit in and we encourage you to go be a part of that class or any Bible class of your choosing. Because as we come together and we praise and we worship God here in this auditorium and we learn a lot about His Word and hopefully this morning we'll talk a lot about believing in His Word and what it means. But in your Bible classes are where you're going to dig into God's Word. And if we're not going to dig into God's Word then we are not going to please Him. There's no way that we can know what God's wisdom is just by walking around a building or hoping we absorb it through a few sermons. Get into your Bible class and go in there and learn more about God's Word. I do have a few brief announcements this morning. Uh, please be mindful in praying for Family Day. It's coming up the 22nd of this month. On September 22nd, we'll be doing Family Day. Currently, the plan is that we'll have it over at the park. Uh, if you guys remember on Friends Day, we kind of got rained out from going over there and not able to do that. But we'll be having over in the park in, in kind of the similar format that we typically do Friends Day. So we're very excited about that. We'll appreciate Jeremy Keff and Doug Williams' hard work uh, in planning that and many others that are involved in, in taking care of the food uh, and the setting up of chairs and everything that takes place. You guys wouldn't believe the amount of work that goes in. I know a lot of people just show up and they think that stuff magically happens and it doesn't. It takes a lot of sweat equity and a lot of hard work and we appreciate so much them doing that. Please make a note too, in your bulletins there's a widower's, widow's luncheon scheduled today at the Pirtle's house. That is not going to take place. Uh, it's been postponed uh, and you'll be informed sometime when that'll be rescheduled, but please make that note. Do not show up at the Pirtle's house today. Although we talked about that being a pretty funny joke, it, would, it wouldn't be a good idea to show up there because you won't be fed at least of uh, doing that. Be mindful of tonight. Many of you may have gotten an email on Family Tree, uh, but if not, we are going to be starting a parenting series, intentional parenting that David's going to be delivering over the next few weeks on Sunday night. And although your days of being a parent may be over because your children are grown or maybe you're not a parent yet, 
uh, please plan on listening and coming to that because we can learn what God's word says about intentionally parenting. I think too many people these days just parent by complacency, just hoping that their kids get it, just hoping that they learn how to behave and hope that they get God's word and they know how to be good children and one day good adults and one day good husbands and wives and parents. That's not going to happen. That doesn't happen in any other aspect of our lives. We have to intentionally teach our children. And even if you're not a parent, if you're maybe you're a grandparent or you don't have children yet, come and learn because if you learn something about God's word that gives you an opportunity to share that with maybe somebody who is a parent or be able to help teach your children if you're a grandparent about having to be a better parent. Never are we discounted when we learn God's word about any subject because you never know when we might be able to share that with somebody else. This week was a a sad week uh, for the Cawthon family and for Miss Carol Hagney uh, and the loss of her mother uh, and in the loss of Mr. James Cawthon this week, but two beautiful funeral services. I had the privilege of going to White Bluff and listening to Pat Hagney deliver a wonderful uh, eulogy for Carol's mom uh, and also going to Mr. Cawthon's funeral on Friday. What a beautiful, beautiful thing it is when we go to the grave of saints and the funeral of saints where we know they've gone on to Abraham's bosom and no longer in a world of suffering and pain and disease and cancer. But they leave behind sadness and grief and a a long ordeal that families have to go through. And we want you to still be praying for these families uh, and be mindful of them in your prayers and just say something to them today. Be turning your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Keep your finger in Acts 17. We'll conclude with it today. But we want to talk about this morning, I didn't necessarily prepare uh, a wild sermon But I wanted to talk about why this day is important, why this series that we're about to begin is important. And many of you, I hope, have picked up your book in class and have begun to read the Inspiration and Authority of Scriptures book. That'll be kind of our guide for Bible class over the next three months. We'll conclude this series at the end of November. We'll be studying it all of fall. Uh, I want to thank so much Pat Hackney and David Fleming for helping me review this book, helping review the lessons that are prepared for the teachers. We have been working on this since last winter, uh, since early, early this year when it was still cold, thinking about this fall focus and what it means. And when we think about that, you may be sitting here thinking, well, I, I believe in the inspiration authority of scriptures. I don't need this class. I think what you'll find as you go through it is that this, if you are at that point and I'm never at a point where I completely understand God's word and never have any confusion about it or never have any questions in my mind. Every time I study God's great wisdom, I'm always amazed and sometimes dumbfounded. How can this be true? And I have to go research the scriptures to do that. I encourage you to still participate heavily. Be a resource in your Bible class for maybe those who don't. And be mindful of those who may not have yet come to the same understanding of the scriptures. And if you're here this morning and you don't have a complete confidence in that, there's nothing to be ashamed of. We'll study in the Bible. A lot of people didn't have that way either. But if you have an open mind, I ask you to have an open mind and listen to the decision of faith that many others have made and reinforce your confidence. It's not a blind faith that we obey the scriptures and that we recognize their authority and inspiration, but it does take faith because I cannot analytically prove the inspiration of the scriptures. It has to be something we take on faith, but not a blind faith. We've got plenty of evidences to that in our lives that we can look at, both historical and spiritual that we can look at. But we know today that maybe not all people recognize the scriptures. And I know that we sometimes see that and think, boy, these days nobody believes in the Bible or the Word of God anymore. That's not anything new. 
perhaps maybe it's in our face more because of media and because of the proliferation uh, of our governments and people in the world becoming so corrupt and against God's word. But as we'll see, God's word was not always accepted by those who heard it, even when miracles were being worked. And we don't have that luxury today to be able to work miracles in front of people by God's Holy Spirit. Even in that day, people still didn't believe. And I think 1 Corinthians chapter 1 in verses 17 through 25, and I know that's a lengthy reading, so I ask you to bear with me this morning as we do that. But I think if we look at that, we'll kind of listen to what it says, and it paints a little bit of a picture, I believe, of what some people think about God's Word today. 1 Corinthians 1, and beginning in verse 17, it says, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring, nothing, and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God. It pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For the Jews request a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. To the Jews, a stumbling block, and to the Greeks, foolishness. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. We think about today in a world where the world claims to have wisdom and philosophy and understanding, both scientific and philosophically, thinking we're beyond the Bible. We don't need this ancient Bible, this old, old out-of-date text to teach us anything. We are advanced humans. We are the peak of civilization in the world. People today would say we're the peak of some evolutionary process that, that began and, and we began as some other type of animal. That's not true. And the wisdom of this world, no matter if it was the first century wisdom of the Greeks and the Jews, which of course the Greeks of that time were known for several centuries as inventing philosophy and rhetoric and wisdom and things that they taught. A lot of things we know in Western civilization began in Greek civilization. The idea of democracy began with these people. They thought that they were greatly wise. And even the Greeks of this time began to really not so believe strongly in their own mythology that for centuries had been their gods of Zeus and others. They began to think, well, these gods are probably not really real, but we're going to continue to worship them because the people follow after that and do that. But many of the philosophers of the time didn't really believe anymore that there was any need for gods or deities in that way. And today that's the same way. We've grown so smart and so intelligent. We know so much. We know more about our bodies. We know more about this physical world. We know more about the universe than we ever have before. So we're so much more smarter than these people. And so we don't need God's word anymore. And I think a lot of times that attitude is that way. And it's not an aggressive attitude towards the scripture in many ways. Perhaps it's just a complacent attitude. It says, we don't need that anymore. It's, it's a nice religious book and it, it's very interesting to read, but it's just exactly that. It's no different from some of the other religious literature that exists in the world. We also, I think, today have people like existed, I think, in Ephesus, Ephesus in 2 Timothy chapter 3. We're all kind of familiar with how, that, how those verses end. 
with the inspiration and authority of the scriptures talked about in 3, 16 and 17. But we got to see what builds up to that. And as we look in this letter to Timothy, what many people think is the last at least inspired correspondence from, Tim, from Paul to Timothy, we see here that he's given a warning beginning in chapter 3, verse 1, 2 Timothy. But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, and lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such people turn away. For of this sort are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as Janus and Jambres resisted Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds disapprove concerning the faith. There are many today, I mean, some people read this verse and they say, oh, he's talking about a time to come in the future right before Jesus comes back. If you read that list that we just read, Jesus already already come back because people have acted like this for centuries and done those things. And we see here in verse 8, just like Janus and Jambres, which Jewish tradition uh, says that those are the magicians that opposed Moses when he came to release his people or asked for the release of God's people in front of Pharaoh. So do those also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds disapprove concerning the faith. I think we have two different groups of people today that will just look at the Bible and just kind of dismiss it as something that's not important. And it, we, yeah, we recognize that it's a bestseller and it affects a lot of people's lives. And then there's another group of people that are so depraved and so sinful and evil and agents of the devil that will actively oppose and resist God's word intentionally. And I hope that none of you in here are like that today. But if you are, you're not beyond God's saving grace. You're not beyond the power of the gospel. And I encourage you to listen with an open mind as we talk. Come and attend Bible class and listen and hear. For those of us that do have a comfortable feeling with the scriptures, I want to encourage you in something wholeheartedly this morning before we continue. Do not oppose aggressively those who do not believe in the Bible. Do not argue and berate somebody that doesn't believe in the Bible. You will never, ever, ever convince somebody of the truth by yelling and screaming of them and making them feel ignorant and foolish and stupid because they don't believe in the Bible. The Bible never teaches us to share God's word in that way. And if you're planning on doing that, we'd rather you just stay out of the game because you're going to run away more people than you're ever going to attract. We're supposed to correct those in opposition with meekness and gentleness. You didn't write this book. God Almighty did. And we need to make sure and keep that in our minds as we do that. I've had a lot on my mind this past couple of weeks, especially preparing for this. So I had to take a lot of notes in preparing for this morning. But I thought of just a few ways. I wanted to brainstorm kind of maybe the way some people view the Bible today. And as we've kind of talked about, some people view it just as another religious book, a book of philosophy. And if you read the book, the Bible that way, it is a wonderful book, a wonderful teachings. And if we just had people today as a nation, as a world that simply obeyed the moral teachings of the Bible, we live in a better world. Even if they never accepted the gospel of Jesus Christ and became Christians, if they just live by the moral principles that are taught all the way from the Torah, all the way through the gospels and in the epistles, we'd live in a much more wonderful world. What if there was no murder and no thievery 
in this world and no jealousy and no envy and no strife and no gossip and no backbiting? What if that didn't exist or people didn't practice it? What a better world we would live in. We wouldn't have to worry about what's going on in Syria if people weren't greedy for power and greedy for money or angry at one another. We wouldn't be worried about what our nation and the world is going to do in the face of atrocities because they wouldn't occur. Some people believe the Bible is historically accurate and archaeological findings verify that. But the spiritual aspects and the miracles that are contained within that when God intervenes in nature like the parting of the sea or the raising of the dead or the healing of things or the great fire that came down uh, with Elijah at the, with the prophets of Baal, that those stories are a little bit made up uh, and they're probably added with emphasis. But we recognize that the Bible is historically accurate. And a lot of people say that that's the case because we don't have any manuscripts of the Bible much older than 200 B.C. So some people might say, well, the Bible was written after the fact. And that's why historically accurate. And you're going to talk about that in your Bible classes this quarter. Some people, and I think maybe the majority of people today that are in the Bible Belt especially, or maybe in a Christian nation, quote unquote, I say that very loosely, of the United States, believe that the Bible is God's Word in part. That a great deal of it is God's Word, but a lot of it is just, just narrative and some teachings and some things that the writers interjected in because of their religious beliefs and things that they wanted people to know. Many people think the Bible is a book that's bounded by ancient culture, that it's not applicable today, that that's old-fashioned teaching, that what you believe is old-fashioned teaching when you talk about elders or deacons or maybe how we handle divorce and remarriage or maybe how we address women preaching and teaching in the church or how people dress or the use of instrumental music, that the Bible is bound by ancient culture and it's not applicable in 21st century United States. We know that that's not the case because God's word is going to endure forever. Therefore, it's valid forever. Some that even get closer would say that the Bible was inspired, but only in the autograph versions. And we're going to study a lot about that as you go through this quarter in Bible class. Only in the original versions that the Bible has been translated and transferred and handed down uh, and some changes have been made to it. And that's true, but it hasn't lost its inspiration and authority. And we're going to study about that in coming weeks. And then I thought about, well, what do I think about the Bible? What does Tim Martin think about the Bible? What do I believe it to be? So I wrote down kind of what I think. And I may be wrong, but I think the Bible is an accurate transmission of the words given to men by the Holy Spirit of God and that any errors or issues are known and dealt with. And that's the truth that I know as far as I understand the Bible. And I have to accept that and believe that or else my standing up here in front of you today, my attending this worship service, my attending a Bible class, my even having this employment is foolishness. Because if I don't believe that, then I can't lay a foundation for anything else. I have to make sure and believe that we can't talk to anybody about what God's Word says if they don't believe in the Bible. I remember one time a long time ago, and it's not really that long time ago, Dwayne Griffin said something to me that I always, I've always used since then. If you can't get people to believe that the Bible is the Word of God, then any other discussion is fruitless. Any other discussion is fruitless because if they don't believe in it, you're not going to be able to convince them by anything. You're not going to be able to get anywhere with them. They may learn something. They may learn some facts about the Bible. But you're not going to change their lives spiritually until we convince people that the, word, the Bible is the Word of God. And it contains all the truths that we need to live our lives out in this world. And I believe that. And I believe that not just by blind faith and not just by historical evidences, not just by the research that I've done into the Bible. But I believe in it because of the changing power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
It changed my life. It changed so many lives. It's so beautiful when somebody that has gone down a terrible path in life finds the gospel truth, hears it, and obeys it, and it changes their life. And it's been going on for thousands of years. Even before the gospel of Christ, the changing power of the law that God delivered at Sinai with Moses changed Israel. It introduced a culture and civilization with religious practices that were different than a land that they were going into. The Israelites were going to be very odd in their behavior when they went into Canaan. They were supposed to be strange and different. And the practices that were laid down both civilly and religiously for them changed those people from a nation of slaves in a country full of idols and false gods into a nation that obeyed the one true God and were about the only people in the entire planet that did so. So the purpose of our study, we'll begin to conclude because I want you guys to have plenty of time in your Bible classes today, is we want to reinforce or establish a confidence regarding belief in the inspiration and authority of the Bible. We're going to talk about it being a mental decision, a decision of your will that you have to make. We're going to talk about how the apostles viewed the scripture, the purpose of scriptures. We'll talk a lot about the translation and transmission of the scriptures. You're going to have some homework about that. Read that preface in the front of your Bible. We'll talk about the importance of interpretation of the scriptures. And we'll even talk a little bit about the restoration movement that took place in the 18th century and 19th century. And think about how that changed things and how people went away from the doctrines of men and began to look back and say, we're going to follow the teachings of God's word. And unless we interpret God's word carefully and do it properly, then we won't understand those teachings. If you've ever been in my Bible classes, you know that the first and foremost thing we have to do when we read the Bible is we have to understand what did it mean when it was written to the audience it was written to. If you don't understand that, you will never be able to apply it or interpret it correctly for 21st century America in your life. And we'll talk a lot about the challenges today uh, that we see. Look back in your Bibles to Acts 17. So well read this morning here. We have a difficult task ahead of us in sharing the Bible with people. I remember back in Matthew 10 when Jesus sent out his disciples, the 12. He sent them out to preach the gospel to the nation of Israel that already knew who that God was, that already believed in creation, that already believed in the Hebrew scriptures. And he gave them the power to heal the sick and to perform miracles. But you remember what he said? Some people are going to accept you into their houses and if they accept you, enter into their house. But some people are going to reject you and kick you out and persecute you and say that they don't believe in it. And we know from Mark 6 and Luke 9 that they went and did that and those things occurred. So they went out to the people who already believed in the God of the Bible, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And they had the ability to work miracles, yet still the truth was rejected by those people. And we don't have those abilities today. So how are we going to pass that along? We can do that. We have to reach out to those who are open-minded and we have to be of a willing mind ourselves. So we look in conclusion this morning at Acts 17, our verses that were read. The situation here is that Paul and Silas have had to flee from Thessalonica because they were being persecuted again by their own people, the Jews, about the gospel message. So by night, Paul and Silas had to slip away to the nearby Macedonian city of Berea. But we see they get a different reception in Berea. And I encourage you to receive God's word whenever it's taught from this pulpit, from your Bible class lecterns, from decisions that the elders made, from ministries that you're involved in, from your own personal study. I encourage you to be like the Jews who were in Berea. 
We see in verse 11 that they were more fair-minded. Some of your translations may say noble-minded. The Greek word there means they were of noble character. They were a little bit better people to boil it all down. A little bit more open-minded, a little bit better people, probably a little bit more godly people than those who were in Thessalonica. And that they received the word, the teachings of Paul and Silas, and I say the teachings of Paul and Silas, meaning the Holy Spirit speaking through these men's tongues, with all readiness. And that word in Greek language means a willingness of the mind. I am willing to listen. I am willing to receive. But what I think is beautiful about it is what we keep on reading is that they search the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. They didn't have the New Testament scriptures. They searched the Hebrew scriptures to see these two guys have come and told us that this Jesus is the Messiah that was promised to us. It's different than we thought he was going to come and do. But he's brought a message. They're backing it up with scripture. And these people searched the scripture to see if it was true. Well, in order for them to search the scriptures to see if it was true, that means they had to have the utmost confidence that their scriptures were true. That they had to know in their minds that these scriptures are infallible. That they came from the the word of God. That the teachings of the prophets were nothing more than the Holy Spirit's inspired word of those prophets unto the people. So they took confidence in it. Just like we look up something in an encyclopedia. Well, nobody does that anymore. If you look it up on Wikipedia, that's how we're supposed to do it. If you look it up on the internet, it has to be true, obviously, when we look at things on the internet. We take confidence based on our source. Anything we looked at, we take confidence based upon our source. These young people's history books, I bet I can find 25 or 30 mistakes in them. But they have to take an exam based on what's in those books. We take a great deal of confidence in what we know in the Bible. We don't have any ancient teachings as old as the Bible, the number of manuscripts we have, the, the, ain't the, as close as they are in time to the actual teachings. People talk about Josephus a lot. We don't have anything about Josephus or written by Josephus that's not a thousand years older than when Josephus died. But we have copies of the manuscripts of the Bible that go way back. It is a trusted source. We have copies of the Bible that go back before the time that Jesus walked this earth. It's a trusted source. And it was a trusted source to these Berean Jews. What was the result of trusting in the source? Was that therefore many of them believed. And also not a few of the Greeks, prominent women as well as men. We just read as we began our class today or our lesson today about how the Greeks were wise and their philosophy was important to them. And that they looked, some of them looked at least to the the cross of Christ as foolishness. But some of them didn't. When they believed in God's word, when they recognized God's word, when they trusted the source of God's word to verify the message. If you're here this morning, don't be ashamed because maybe your confidence in the scriptures being inspired and authoritative is not where it needs to be. There's no shame in that at all. In class over the next few months, don't be afraid to ask questions. Don't be afraid to speak up. The only stupid question is the one that's unasked. And I guarantee it, if you have questions about What's going on in the subject? You're not the only person in that class that does that. I think too often as teachers, we always assume that everybody in the class has the same confidence in God's word that we do. And that's not necessarily true. And I encourage you to listen with open minds and come to that confidence. If you're with us this morning and maybe your confidence in the word is that you've heard it, you've believed it, and you've accepted it as a truth. And you know by looking at these truths, That if you're apart from God, that if you haven't been baptized into Christ, that you haven't repented of your sins, 
after you believed in God's word and recognized what it told you to do to repent and be baptized into Christ. If you need to do that this morning, we don't want you to hesitate. We're not promised the next hour. We've planned a fall focus to last to November. We don't even know if we'll get through Bible class this morning before Christ comes back. And it's too late after that. A world full of false teachings, there's going to be a second chance after the second coming of Christ. There's going to be another period of time where you can change your mind. It's lies and false teaching and against what the Bible teaches. Why in the world would Jesus send his son to die on the cross and let people reject him? And then after he comes back and takes people, Joseph said, well, I'm going to give you another second chance. I know you spit in his face during your life, but I'm going to give you another chance to do that. If you're thinking about that or you want to know more about what God's word has to say about that, let us know. Let us know about that. Come up here. Let us study. Find one of the ministers or elders. We'd love to study with you. I don't want anyone to be baptized that doesn't understand why they're being baptized and what God's word has to say about that because then it's just a decision of emotion or reaction and it's not a truthful decision of God's word. We know from the Bible you have to hear and believe and understand it first. If you're here this morning, maybe you're struggling with something. Maybe your confidence in the scripture is not high or maybe you're going through something that's difficult in your life. You don't have to go through that alone. There's a reason that we assemble together. Hebrews 11 tells us it is to edify one another and to build one another up in addition to worshiping our God. Don't leave here this morning brokenhearted. Don't leave here this morning empty of Christ. Don't leave here this morning without your clothes on, meaning that you're clothed with Christ in baptism. If we can help you anyway,